0: listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. So uh welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. We are honored to be joined by returning guest, uh former Wanderer and now uh, York Nine defender Matt Arnone. Welcome back to the show, man.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, always a pleasure.
0: And we're also joined by our two barflies, uh, Carlos Benitez and Chris Cyril. Welcome to the show again, lads. Thanks. How you doing, brother? bro.
2: How's it going? Good,
0: Definitely good. Good on that. So uh, first of all, lads, come on, let's get the energy going here. What the fuck's the story? Yeah, Yeah. it's like it's a long weekend, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Jesus (laughs) Christ, (laughs) (laughs) fucking hell! All right, so uh, (laughs) I'll just speed that bit up a bit so we all sound like we're pumped (laughs) to go. So the first question I have, Matt, is uh, how are uh, preparations going for the Island Games?
1: Yeah, I mean. I guess they're going well it's hard to say just because it's it's hard to prepare for something so unique but uh, I think we're we're doing as much as we can and now kind of you know as we as we actually get a date I think everybody starts to gear up the excitement starts to ramp up and uh, yeah I think everybody's just excited I think for a long time there was no kind of light at the end of the tunnel and now we kind of have that so it's something to you know ultimately train and we train and that's great but uh, we want to play matches right and so now we have the ability to do that, and I think that uh, that naturally just kind of raises the intensity in training, and uh, you just feel that there's, uh, there's an end goal, and uh, we're ready to, you know, at least compete for, for the trophy, right, this year.
0: So uh, how, how's it feeling not, not having any kind of warm-up games for this? Like, I guess all you can really do is, like, scrimmages between you all and stuff like that. Like, is, is it weird going into a, a tournament and not having any previous games? Yeah, I think, I think where it gets – you know, a bit tricky for me
1: anyways, I think about match fitness and I think the only way, you know, the term match fitness is thrown around, but it really just means that right. Getting in the match, a little bit of unpredictability, um, in a simulated sort of scrimmage and, you know, an AB eight and v nine and, and that sort of thing. It's, it's great. And it, it's, it simulates that in small in small little portions, but you can't, there's no, there's no way to simulate a game unless you play in a match. Right. And when the stakes are high and when uh, you can't simulate that in a scrimmage, even, even if it is 11 is 11. So, Um, yeah there's a bit of unpredictability there I think for sure but uh, I think in that case you know the guys who who have the experience that are not rookies anymore you kind of hope to draw on that experience and sort of play on those feelings that you had last year and sort of I guess as best as you can because we're talking almost the calendar year since the last match um, draw on that and and use that to your advantage as best as you can
0: yeah I just feel like you guys are going to be like caged animals like that first those first couple of games are going to be intense (laughs) Everywhere. We joke
1: around like, we're like, what if we just come offline for the first 10 and we just drain the batteries in 10 and, because
0: we don't have batteries. we just walk after that. <laughs> Jimmy Brennan and Paul Salterio have to suit up. Huh? <laughs> yeah, for sure. uh, so um, obviously you guys have been busy signing a lot of new players like Angus has kept himself busy in the last couple of weeks. Uh, have, you, have you had a chance to train with everybody and uh, how are the guys fitting in?
1: Yeah, so the only player I haven't, we haven't seen just yet is uh, Alvaro, just because he's uh, he's doing his quarantine, obviously, and uh, league protocols obviously require him to do that. So he'll join us. I don't know at, at what point this week, but I, I imagine some point this week he'll join us and uh, we'll get, you know, a little bit, a couple training sessions with him and, and then it's kind of all hands on deck. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Angus has done a great job. He's been busy and uh, signing a lot of good young talents, honestly. Uh, they've come in and they don't really seem to have missed a step to be honest and the potential's there being young players uh you know 16 years old 17 years old and, and even some of the players from before um that were younger players they they, they don't miss a step they they kind of just come in and, and it, yeah maybe they need to get their feet wet a little but once you see them for a week or two and they they kind of jump in right away right in with the big boys and, and they, they hold their own so you know credit to Hing is for for identifying that right especially when you know our latest signing, well, uh, Wright. He he came in and you know he signed from Woodbridge, it's a local club here, and he doesn't seem to be out of place at all. And for a 16-year-old kid, that's a that's a big feat. So uh, credit to Angus and and obviously the uh, the identification process there w- was really positive. So
0: look, for I hand it to the lads, there like what's the the buzz around the squad that you've got a uh, Real Madrid new team player and what a, what a crown to wear like Jesus <laughs> yeah I mean
1: we talk about it but again we haven't met Alvaro so you know we're excited to we're excited to see what he can do and obviously we've had some guys because of these issues drop in and out of the squad and it's again it's a unique year right I'm, and all teams have kind of had that and uh it's the squad's almost it seems like daily it's changing and but for the most part, we're just trying to take it in a stride and understand that, you know, obviously this is not a normal season by any stretch. And, and we're just trying to make do with what we can. And um, Angus is doing, uh, I think, a fantastic job bringing, bringing in the guys that, you know, yeah, they're young players, yeah, they're domestic players, perhaps in the place of some internationals. But again, I, I still see them contributing. I still see a place for them to contribute. So, I mean, uh, yeah, everyone's excited about uh, about Alvaro as well. I think, again, the potential, like you said, is, you know, when you hear someone playing for a club like that, even... <laughs> Even if it was, even if it was, you know, in, uh, in, when they were eight years old, it's, you know, I mean something. I feel uh, at least here in Canada. So um, we're excited to see them. We're
0: we're excited to welcome them to the club for sure. Awesome. Uh, I'll hand it over to the biggest Madrisa I know, uh, Carlos. For you, there, Carlos.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, th- my question uh, for you, Matt, is um, more related to probably the only question that I have related to COVID. You guys are ready to jump into the island, to the island like very soon, probably this week. You, we all know that Nova Scotia has the lowest rating cases, you know, the Atlantic bubble. Um, how motivational is that for you guys as a squad, like coming to kind of like not a safe place, but kind of like low rate? It, it, it has been discussions between you guys. Like how's that mentally part, you know, that, yeah, we're going to go to PEI, like, you know, zero cases, et cetera. If you can... Tell us more about this.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I can only speak mostly from a personal perspective, but mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, safe is a good word, right? I mean, the cases are, are are sort of under control here in Toronto and it's one of the more, you know, let's call it a hotbed per se, but, you know, it was a hotbed at times. Now we've kind of come under control and then even more so at East. So, you know, personally, I can say that I think the the clubs done the club, the league rather, has done a great job. I think I feel safe personally to go into this bubble and, And, you know, they haven't really given us much detail on the the bubble, on the protocol. But again, you've seen it in other leagues. And and I feel personally that if they can manage that in Florida, then we should be more than fine uh, doing it in Prince Edward Island where the cases are essentially non-existent. So, I mean, anywhere, to be honest, out east, I would have probably felt safe, but uh, even more so in a place where... I think, if I'm not mistaken, they've had a handful of cases throughout this whole pandemic, so.
2: Uh, how are things going in, in the new squad? Like, are you guys, like, fully shaped? I don't want to get into details because, you know, every team has its own strategy, but right. how how you feel about the squad like this year, you know?
0: What, yeah, forma- what formation says Jimmy? What formation like, says? So four, 4 2,
2: four, two three, one.
0: Tell us Tell us
1: all the, all the corner set
3: pieces. All the corner set pieces. Everything,
1: man. I don't think I'd last very long. I got to stay away from that one. But, uh, no, uh, listen, the squad, I think, uh, as everybody kind of predicted, uh, once you saw the off-season moves uh, pre-COVID, let's say, everyone was excited about it. And I think everyone is excited about it now inside the club and inside the closed doors. We – we're excited to put this product together because on paper it looks, it looks quite good. So obviously the complexion of it has changed quite a bit because of, again, you know, the visa issues and sort of borders closing and that kind of limiting our internationals. But uh, with the domestic players that we have, you know, we could, in my opinion, we could field a a squad of only domestic players and it would be able to compete uh, with the rest of the, with the rest of the league. So I think that's great for Canadians. I think that's great for us as a club and it, and it also just speaks, you know, on the whole, it speaks great to Canadian talent. And again, we just want to put it together and and finally have something to play for us. So I think, yeah, I think, like you said, everyone's excited because they see the potential, right? So,
2: so four, two, three, one it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> nine, so. And uh, one last one before I pass it to Chris, though, how you feel about Yorkie? Because the last time you were... Yeah, in the past we didn't ask you that, what and I you asked this question to I just, just want to have one one minute of silence, you know? Yeah, I don't. I don't. But we
1: can have the moment of silence for sure. sure.
2: <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, Chris.
0: I was getting ready to do the
2: moment of silence, man. <laughs> Jesus. We could do it at um, the end. We can edit and post, I guess.
0: I wish I had a beer. And I could just pour it to the curb for uh, for Yorkie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we should have a moment of silence for the
3: You were just talking about on paper, you guys being strong. Um, How do you guys deal with that pressure? With less time to prepare, with a shorter season, with every game meaning more. How have you guys been kind of adjusting to that pressure in training without giving us too much info?
1: No, I, I mean the best thing I could say is that again, because you are surrounded by so many quality players, the, the level naturally raises, and I think that that is the best way to prepare, right? So I think once the ball comes out, we we don't really remember that there's the pressure there. I think more so. Um, you know we understand that there are expectations and and also you know that we need to meet those but however the expectations that we place on ourselves i feel is is higher than even the expectations the club has for us right not only do we want to bring home a trophy but a lot of us you know feel that we can push on to the next level we we feel that given an opportunity we can show ourselves i think we you know, with the Wanderers last year, we showed that we could hold our own with Ottawa, and and likewise with York Nine, and they should, they held their own against Montreal and Vancouver. Actually, you know, took a took a big L to the to to Calgary. So we, I think, a lot of players in that league, in this league, rather feel that they have something to prove. So the standard is to win a championship for us here at York Nine, but also to to achieve even bigger things and sort of show that on the field, right? So even bigger picture, we all feel that. So even on a day to day. Um, the expectations we place on ourselves potentially are even higher than the club has for us.
3: You were just talking earlier too, about how Toronto was a bit of a hotbed for this whole COVID thing. It's been fantastic that the city's gotten it under control. Cause when you see some of the other cities around the world, they've had a hard time kind of keeping at least a balance with it. How has training progressed? I guess, since you last talked to the boys, um, you know, when did things kind of get rolling again? And, and then how, where were you guys at with the phases per se? Cause I guess the whole league is on the same level now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think everybody's pretty much on the same level. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think we were a bit behind, waiting for approval on phase two um, for the group training at that point because we hadn't seen a decline in cases. So I think for a long time we were we were stuck in phase one longer than maybe some other some other clubs. And then likewise for phase two. Um, and then now that we've kind of you know progressed as well, Angus has been super you know diligent with that and then wanting to sort of be diligent with. The safety protocols and let's follow everything that we need to follow and and at times you know even some of the guys like it, it gets tough because your instincts kick in and you know if you see an opportunity to get a foot in or, or whatnot you kind of want to put a foot in and and there's a bit of a, an angst too because you're dealing with to be honest different comfort levels with the pandemic with the with the virus right so you know myself you know I, I just know the way that I handle things and and you know at times it, it kind of frustrates other teammates as well because you know I'm a defender and you know there's an opportunity to get a foot in and and it almost you have to make a conscious effort to pull out and and that's just because I'm a person that follows the rules even if perhaps my comfort level is to tackle I don't know what other people's are and I'm trying to stay very conscientious of that so again it it caused it causes at times a little bit of uh, let's call it miscommunication within the group but this again this is something that nobody has ever dealt with right so again we we finally got past that point and now we're kind of in and we're training and prepping for a season so but yeah, there were definitely some challenges without even within the group. I, I, I remember experiencing that myself, uh, you know, as a defender, you want to get a foot in, you want to put in a challenge and, and whatnot. But you, you kind of need to pull up just for just for purposes of these are the protocols. And whether you like them or not, you need to follow them for what's best for the league. Right. The format.
3: I know it's like kind of a quick thing. Um, it's, Carlos has been saying over the last couple of weeks, it's kind of like a World Cup. Um, I know you guys training over the last couple of weeks, last months, and it's been a long wait, just trying to get going again and getting some answers. Does it kind of leave you a little bit sour that it's going to be kind of here and gone as quickly as it came? Or is it something where you're actually really looking forward to just getting in on the field and showing a sample of what you have?
1: yeah I think I think it's more I, I think initially you feel at least from a personal perspective as an individual you start to build your career and and you know having played so many games last year it's great for your career right to 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 rack up those games and and sort of build that experience and and it feels almost like a let's call it a, a year lost per se at the beginning but now that that's kind of passe and and we're just you know we've worked so hard and even when we were in quarantine and we were kind of apart from the team we were still you know held to a standard where we needed to be training every single day. And there's a lot of hard work and mental focus that goes into that. So I think, you know, I personally have shifted gears and and sort of look at, try to look at the silver lining here that we are going to play a season. We are going to get, yeah, we're going to get six, seven games guaranteed, but, you know, granted we, we like our chances. We, we fancy ourselves as a club and, you know, that will lead to hopefully more games if that translates. But uh, again, trying to look at the silver lining that we've done all this work and let's at least, you know, get something out of it let's get a season out of it let's play and let's let's put this product that everyone's so excited about on the field um in terms of you were just
3: in a quarantine you're locked down not really able to do much you get a little bit of freedom and now you're jumping right back into it what kind of tools have you learned over the last few months that you're going to take the PEI with you in terms of
1: downtime oh that's a good question um to be honest I I think what became a big routine for me was sort of and I'm really hoping this works out for me but um sort of a I was been using my backyard a lot. I've been using like just hanging out in my own quarters but using the fresh air, using things like nature to sort of combat this whole quarantine and self-isolation. Um, you know, as a as a club we kind of decided that it's it's best for for our preparations that we start to close our circle and Angus kind of instructed us to do so. So, you know, um we're obviously doing that in preparation before PDI, but uh yeah, I mean again, it's become, I think, a regular part of my day to make some time to, you know, sit outside and and just sort of be in nature, fresh air, those sorts of simple, simple things, because those are kind of the only things you can cling on to during quarantine, right, and and during a self-isolation, so, I mean, hopefully, my room has a balcony, and I'll be able to sit out there at least, and and, and, you know, grab some fresh air, and perhaps, you know, again, have a coffee, I'm a big coffee drinker, so those sorts of little, simple pleasures, I've I've really valued over this this time for sure. So I'm gonna definitely try and make use of that.
0: I've, uh, I've checked the the schematics of the hotel. There's no balconies. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the rivals. <laughs> HFX got one, for Yeah, only the Wanderers players Michael got
1: that. We'll, we'll see what happens. bring some binoculars.
0: So, so um, the, the announcements like last week, obviously, like one of the big ones was the uh, the, the collective. Uh, what do you make of all that? I mean, to be honest, I, I don't know too
1: much about it, um, but I feel that, I think you get a jersey and a one soccer subscription. I'm not sure exactly how yeah, it works. It's, a, it,
0: like, it's, like 100, it's $165, but I mean, like the jersey alone is like hundred and. 20 dollars plus right so
1: yeah yeah for sure um but, you and know,
0: apparently you're hand signing every york nine one that they sell so oh i'm i'm doing that yeah they <laughs> <laughs> hasn't told you that no oh, no all right i guess i, I guess i got a sharpen yeah. sharp it's system. to keep you occupied during quarantine so <laughs> <laughs> he,
2: he's gonna end it out with carport tunnel yeah. like
0: <laughs> okay, i don't think throw
1: in so we're gonna go <laughs> uh, I got a a Matthew Arnone
3: autograph on that shirt somewhere. It's not the most brand autograph. You probably got it on the inside
1: of the shirt so you don't (laughs) be caught, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit.
3: Sorry, brother.
1: Go ahead. No, uh, to be honest, the the collective thing, I think, is is great for, especially given the time that we're living in. I think, you know, uniting the league as a whole, I think, is important, especially because we are such a new league, and, and it's important for us to grow all together, I think um naturally what I would like to see personally from the league is you know can we can we sort of diversify as as groups right like you know out in Halifax there's something last year that made us Halifax you know um first of all the blues the blue on blue is already distinctive and it's very unique to the city and I you know I think every time I see blue now I think of Halifax and that's great and hopefully every time you see green you think of York 9 And, and can we diversify ourselves obviously the black jerseys was something that united us but going forward I hope, and the collective is also another initiative that sort of stabilizes the league as a whole. Um, But I think going forward, you know, can we start, you know, for you guys, you know, being Halifax Wanderers fans, can you start to diversify yourselves from a Derby like Pacific? Can we, for example, you know, start to separate from Fords where we kind of have those supporters group rivalries, we kind of have those sort of things that you see in Europe that are, you know, part of of the, the lore of the game, right, that we've seen for so many years and... And to be honest, as a player, it, you know, it makes a Derby a Derby, right? When I, you know, being a Lazio fan, I watch, you know, Roma Lazio. I I see those fans. I see, and almost, you almost need a villain for the story, right? It's it's similar to that. So, I mean, that's something, again, hopefully that will come in years and then the league starts to progress in that way. But uh, I think for now, the collective is a, it's a great initiative to sort of bring the league together, especially when we are kind of divided as well. And we're kind of, you know, being told to distance physically and, and you know, those sorts of things. So I think it's a, I think it's a cool initiative and it has a little bit of a, of a conceptual tone to it as well, which I kind of like.
0: And uh, just um, just going back to the jerseys there, like uh, all joking aside, what, what do you think of the concept of the, the city editions? Do you like that idea?
1: Yeah, I think, again, I think it's something that, you know, makes us unique. I, personally, I, I, the color scheme itself, I think, you know, having all black jerseys for every team, I Again, uh, if I was choosing a jersey, perhaps I wouldn't do that. But I understand where it's coming from. I like the City Edition, given the given the year as well. I, I think something simple suffices. Um, but again, I think I, I also really liked, you know, playing in Wanderers, in the Wanderers blue, the dark blue, as well as the light blue. So, I, you know, for me, uh, you know, having everyone have the same color kits is, you know, necess- the Wanderers, for example, don't have black in their colors. York 9 do. And for that reason, I think it works well for York 9, for Valor, for... You know, even Ottawa, but it's not necessarily a wanderer's color. So I would, you know, I personally, I would have liked to see, you know, you guys don the same colors as last year, perhaps in a different way. But I mean, it is what it is. We're we're looking at the silver linings. I really think the concepts for the home jerseys, all of them, are fantastic. So let's uh, let's let's use the home kids. How's that?
0: Yeah, there there wasn't like there, that, that's the thing. Like there wasn't any standout ugly ones, was there? On the like, you know, like they're all pretty, all pretty tight. I think Macron did a really good job on it. Um, and it's kind of weird to think that it's like Derek and those guys who are designing them. <laughs> that scares <laughs> that, that, me. Geez, that that I did say
3: that? I think when Ottawa's released, they like people used to say were saying that Ottawa's jersey was the worst. If I think about it off the top of my head now, the home kits. So yeah, you're right. But,
2: uh, but I, well, I, I think, like I like Ottawa. I just what I what I don't like is just all the all the teams are wearing like white shorts and Ottawa was wearing like blue. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair.
0: There's so many little things that piss Carlos <laughs> off as funny, you know? It's like it's the little things that Light I just get to him. But uh, oh, I hear what he says about me after this. Oh man, you don't wanna you don't wanna no, know. No, it's okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, we
2: all agree that 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 Mar- Matthew none supports uh, ultras. So he wants to see ultras in the premier league. <laughs> yeah um, i like that i support that you don't no, know what
0: he, you don't know what he, you don't want to hear what he said when you moved to york away from halifax man it was bad uh, <laughs> so so obviously we follow you on social media and uh you started a new program called mindframe can you just tell us a little bit about like what it is when it's going to start up and where did your idea come from
1: Yeah, so MindFrame was something that I developed over the last uh, four years now. Um, It became, it started off as just a little idea based on, to be honest, guys, based on my struggles with with the mental aspect of the sport. I think um, you know, graduating from York University naturally, my aspirations, you know, from when I was a child, was to be a professional, and and um, I think having a lot of success at a young age and and sort of playing through Toronto FC Academy and then, and then going through some hardships in life. And, and then again, finding that success again with York university, um, it it almost felt that, uh, I I could make that jump right away. And and it obviously didn't happen in that way. And, and I struggled with a lot of that. I didn't have a lot of tools to equip myself with those disappointments and with those struggles of consistency and, and sort of thing where, you know, uh, you know, and talking to, pretty much anybody that has seen me at a grassroots level, the ability was never there. Uh, was always there rather. Um, but it was always inconsistent. We weren't sure what we were going to get out of Matthew. And, and that's kind of, you know, where I lacked and, and kind of held me back. So um, naturally in, in the kind of person that I am, I, I spent the last four years researching, you know, what I can do because on a physical side, I, I've explored all the options on a technical side. I've, I've explored all the options. What can I do next? So, naturally led me to the mental side of the game. A lot of research was done and, and sort of even anecdotally on myself uh, and, and exploring techniques and, and what works and, and what doesn't and, and naturally led me to, you know, Halifax and having a great season there and sort of finding that consistency. And, and that to me was the, let's call it the, the knockout punch for me to say, I need to do this. I need to expose other athletes to this. And primarily, I always think to myself, if I knew what I knew now, I think we all say that in life, if I knew what I knew now, back then I would be much better off. So I think there's a need for this for youth athletes. And Mindframe was born basically out, out of that necessity for, for my own career. And uh, basically all it is, is it's, it's a program. It's a 10 week program where we, we, we expose our athletes to techniques to combat the stresses of being, being an athlete in, in the real world. So that comes with not just performance, but that comes with how do we combat things like support systems? How do we combat things like goal setting appropriately? And, you know, it, it's, it's all foundationed around, call it a mindful perspective to life. So, you know, the ability to detach, and, and like you guys said, you follow me on social media, so you'll know I preach a lot of that I preach, you know, can we detach, we're not just athletes, we're also people. And so that person first mentality is something that we preach at mind frame. And, and we want to teach to athletes that are at an impressionable age. You know, we work with athletes from 13 to 17 years old. And again, we just want to equip them with a growth mindset so that they can explore the mind and explore where they can take the sport in a way that they're curious rather than, you know, they have defeating thoughts or or negative chatter in their mind that sort of hinders their performance. So um, again, this is something that I think, you know, will naturally improve the state of the mental state of our athletes, but overall it it will improve performance by simply just improving their quality of life.
0: So it's something that's kind of, uh, almost like forgotten about when we talk about footballers and stuff like that. But like h- how mentally tough is it being a footballer?
1: Yeah, I think I think naturally I speak a lot about this, but, you know, even just with, you know, family and friends that people don't, people don't understand that as many hours go into your craft um, from when you were young and you sort of tally those things up and you realize that when you leave the pitch, you're constantly thinking about football. And naturally what happens is it sort of acts in a way that you know, you know, there's, a, there's this sort of notion and this thing that you have to give 110%. Well, at I fair? we preach that 110% doesn't exist. There is only a hundred that you can give and we are only humans, right? So what happens naturally is when you place all this stock, let's call it in terms of time and effort into one sport or into one action, it starts to define you, right? So what happens is, you know, when you come off the field after a bad game, that defines you that that moment defines you right and naturally that's that's what's going to happen when you place all this time and effort so it's almost a curse of being an athlete and i think this happens to not just professionals but being a footballer at any walk of life and being an athlete in any sport because you do apply so much time to it and and you know i remember going through university and applying more time to the sport than i did my own schooling and um for for better or worse right and and naturally you identify with that sport you identify with those performances and they go home with you, right? And they're in the car on the way home. They're, you know, they're in your, your head when you go to sleep. And, you know, especially when you have goals and aspirations for reaching a higher level. Um, for me personally, it, it was really damaging to have a poor performance because I felt, well, if you're struggling at this level, then you got no shot at the next level. And those sorts of defeating thoughts are why Mindframe was born, essentially, right? So the ability to identify with ourselves, again, as a person first and an athlete second. So my core values can take me on the field, but my, what I do on the field does not define who I am inside. Right. So the Matthew, the person is much, much different from Matthew, the player. And, and we actually teach that to our, to our, you know, our, our young athletes and we will teach that to our young athletes in October when we launch that, you know, when people ask me who I was, I was, I was the defender, you know, we're talking in the present. I was the defender for York 9 FC. I'm Matthew, the defender that, you know, for York 9 FC, but now you ask me who I am I'm Matthew Arnone and I play I play for York 9 FC but I'm Matthew Arnone first and a defender for York 9 FC second right and I think naturally what happens is that detachment from the sport will actually improve your performance right and uh, that comes along with a lot of things not just perspective but gratitude for the ability that you know remembering constantly that we are 0.0001 percent of the population I get to do such a wonderful thing for a living right and and people would you know my brother included that you know obviously we shared a passion growing up for the sport, and we used to we used to talk as as kids about wearing you know a jersey on on with and with our names on the back and and the fact that I get to do that is something that oftentimes we forget because we're in this pursuit for more um we forget about the joy of being on the field and a lot of a lot of what I did you know last year at with the wanderers was you know I, I would look around at you guys and I would say. I used to dream of this like there's no there's no reason that i shouldn't enjoy this moment for good or for bad for win or for lost and and that's kind of what where we're where we're trying to take this with mindframe right and naturally, I think that will improve performance and and it definitely improved my performance and allowed me to find that consistency that i look for
0: so we, we said before um on the, on the show a couple of times because obviously we get to hear people 's journeys, and they're not always it's it's never a straight line. It's always ups and downs. Is it, is it something that you think that the sport itself like, should start in, integrating into the game? Like from Because I mean, like, you know, young, young kids, they play in the smaller pitches and they learn to touch and all that kind of stuff. Would you think that kind of side of it, like the mental side, needs to be taught from a young age as well and something that needs to be integrated into the sport?
1: Yeah, of course. And, and that's, you know, again, we're doing this at a level where the kids are at an age where they start to build aspiration, right? And they start to identify but I believe it even starts long before that. Uh, I'm not an early childhood educator. However, I, I have been a, a coach of a, of a grassroots team and amateur teams. And, and you see it all the time. We, we, call them the, we call them the car ride coaches where, you know, the kid comes in and, you know, I've been a coach where I've seen kids come off the field after scoring two goals and, and they're crying after the, field, after the game. And I pull them aside on the field and I say, why are you crying? And what's wrong? You played great. And they said, well, my, my dad... Said he said he'd give me fifty dollars if I scored three. <laughs> what? And um, this is these are the sorts of damaging things that that we're dealing with, right? And and it's not for any. There's no maliciousness in that, but educating, like you said, educating at a young age, not just the not just the kids, but the parents, right? I think at a young age you're a blank canvas. I think you absolutely are a blank canvas, and I think it's up to you know parents, and I, you know I hope to be one one day, and I want to give my kid only nourishment and only only the ability to fly, right? And they have wings and you're supposed to let them fly. And and for, again, no no reason other than ignorance, um, these parents have, have sort of started these kids off on a wrong foot where they start to self-defeat themselves from ages of, you know, they have a negative, a negative mindset from when they're eight years old, right? And they're putting unrealistic goals on their kids and and sort of taking them to the places where they don't need to feel performance anxiety at eight years old, right? So, um, again, it's it's a normal thing at an age where you start to build aspirations, and then the sort of fear of failure creeps in, and that's why MindFrame is is there to help combat those things. However, uh, at a young age, I, I again, an early childhood edu- educator could easily take take uh, you know, I think personally, a, a program like MindFrame and tailor it to parents. To be honest, I think because they are just a product of their environment, they they don't really at that age do anything other than observe their environment and and follow suit. So yes, I, uh, the short answer is yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, like I was lucky enough that most of the the people that I played for when I was a kid, like always, the main thing was always get out and enjoy yourself. It was never like taken too serious and all that kind of stuff. Um, that sounds absolutely horrible that you're <laughs> trying to give your kid $50, $50 <laughs> for scoring a hat-trick, you know? Um,
2: I feel like that this project is really great. And congrats uh, to, you. to your project, Matthew, because I feel like I wish that we had that back home. Like when I'm from, and Juan Diego can tell you that, like at such a young age, like players struggle so much with formation, mentally formation. So, You know, you could have the talent, but you you need also the psychological part. And this is more related to my question for you. um, What do you think about sports psychology and how fundamental it is as a youth as such as a a young age, but as an adult too? What do you think? um, How important is the role of the sports psychologist in a club?
1: No, absolutely. I think, you know, I, hopefully as the CPL grows, we can, we can sort of afford, you know, to bring in experts in this field, because I think it's, it's absolutely imperative uh, to be honest, uh, you know, ranging from Italy to Halifax to New York nine being in the locker room, to be honest. And this is only something that I became aware of because of sort of the, the trial and error that I, I had placed on myself. I was my own lab rat for, for my mm-hmm. frame. Right. So, um, and I found that obviously I found success in that, but, you know what happens with that sort of awareness is you start to become empathetic of what is going on in the head, in the minds of others, and you can almost see that in their body language. You can almost see that in sort of the way that they speak and the connotations that they have. So even, at, you know, I'm a big proponent of not only do you need to develop yourself as an athlete, but there's there's a, a sport aspect, there's a physical aspect, and there's a mental aspect, and you need to apply energy into all of those areas. Right? It's no different than in life you know, you have your work and you apply mental energy into that and you need to cultivate that garden. But likewise, you need to cultivate the garden of your family just because you have had kids and you still need to cultivate that relationship with your wife, with your children and continue to grow. So I think at an an adult level and and in the professional ranks, personally, I, I personally see a lot of athletes that never took time to or were never actually aware that they have identities outside of football, right? All their friends are from football all of everything they do is they talk football. They talk about their careers. They talk about where they've been, where they want to go. And there's no ability to detach from that. And naturally what happens is if you, you know, you're it's, it's almost like going to the, to the blackjack table and putting it all on, you know, putting it all in one hand, because if it goes great, then you're flying, you're flying high. It's fantastic. But what happens if you naturally give it your all and you fall short, which, which will happen to all of us at some point, we're all told go until we're told no. Right. So, uh, this is something that, how do you bounce back from that? And if you don't have that ability to draw back on your, on your personal and, and sort of, you know, guys, I, I can tell you honestly, I've been told no more, a lot more times than I've been told yes. And you know, where, the, where I draw the ability to bounce back is I know who I am as a person. I know my core values and that doesn't take breaks, right? It's similar to on the field and my ability perhaps, or my technical ability may let me down, but one thing that will never let me down is my effort. And that's something that I can control. And that's something that we preach, right? We want to control those controllables. But first, to do those things, you have to become aware of them. And in order to do that, we actually need to unlearn the behaviors that we've, you know, when you get to a professional rank and you see, you know, people struggling with things because personally, they, you know, if I'm being a a sort of clinician here, which I don't like to be in past judgment often, if we're not aware of things, then we can't correct them, right? So oftentimes I chalk it up to ignorance and the inability to be aware. So if we can make even professionals aware of these things then their ability to correct their own behaviors and their ability to also find improvement improves, right? So rather than sort of correcting behavior, I like to say we unlearn those negative behaviors or those things that can be a detriment to us as people rather than athletes, right? So we work towards that. And, and yes, you're absolutely right. It, it, the ability to have a sports psychologist there to work on these sorts of things is, is for me, it's paramount. I think this is this is the ground level. I think once you have an athlete, you can take an athlete – and solely through his mental ability, you'll be able to get more out of their training session. If they have cleared their mind and they are approaching life in a mindful way. they're allowed to be present and focus on if the directions are you need to receive with your left and pass with your right, but you and I are thinking about where we're going to go for dinner, chances are we're not going to get the most out of that training session, right? This is a very simple example, of course, but these are ways that not only can you improve the mental health of the athlete, but you can actually improve the results on the field by small incremental changes. As you know, in the CPL, anyone can beat anyone at any time. So if we were to incorporate the mental aspect of the game, for example, at York 9 rather than at any other club, that might be the 1% difference that might be able to get us ahead, right? So because the teams are so evenly matched, it's no different than a tactical advantage. It's no different than having a designated player. And these, that's personally how I value the mental side of the game.
2: So now that you're in York, and let's pretend in a scenario that you, you have a teammate that is struggling in the mental aspect, you know, like he needs some motivation. And um, do you like, feel like now all this research that you have done can help you, you know, and make you feel like, a, you know, you feel a better person by helping each other always. But do you feel like accomplish, you accomplish yourself better? And you say like, yes, I could help somebody, you know, without asking, do you need help? Just like, you know, you're my teammate. I'm here for you. Do you think that mindset will help you? to, like, preach that mantra to your, like, teammates without knowing them, you know?
1: Yeah, no, uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I remember doing it in, in ways that, in back in Halifax, I remember, you know, with, with the odd player that perhaps is working into their squad, or, or mm-hmm. is, you know, obviously, I, I progressed very quickly after I, you know, after I arrived, and I sort of took in my role right away, and then kind of didn't look back, but there are players that, obviously for that reason took, the, took to the wayside to make way for myself or to make way for other players and players come back, you know, and there's always somebody to help. I find in the team, there's always somebody that, you know, being personally the way I consider myself and some of the guys that return, you know, and speaking to them, having them recognize me as a leader in not the way of yelling and screaming and sort of conducting things, but just by action and just by, and just by, sort of finessing my way into a situation depending on what that person needs i feel that because i i have that awareness i feel anyways the compulsion even in me as a person to want to help them and and sort of i feel equipped to do so based on you know my experiences with the situation and understanding you know perhaps this might work for this person or this might work for that person and and sort of delivering that in a way where i personally don't want to feel like an educator to them we are mm-hmm. equals we're teammates and I think that has made me a better athlete. I think, um, personally, I think not only what you do on the field individually, but your ability to affect the group Definitely and your inside. role. You know, yeah, exactly, right. And and the ability to positively reinforce perhaps a teammate that was struggling, or even a teammate that perhaps you didn't get along with, or, or you know things have gone. At the end of the day, because you have that that feeling of yourself and you were able to self reflect, you understand that when those situations arise, you know what they look like in other players and your ability to uplift that player is, is ultimately what makes you a leader. And ultimately for me, what raises the level of the group as well. Right. And, and perhaps, you know, at mind frame, again, these are just going back to sort of the the recurring themes is that, you know, I personally preach that we one day are going to take an athlete and allow them to stop a bad performance from becoming a nightmare and allow a good performance to become a great one. So that's kind of what we want to do. And, and hopefully with, you know, again, naturally you can't, take the, you can only take the horse to the water. And if they don't want to drink, they don't want to drink. But hopefully with everyone having an open mind, we're able to uplift each other as athletes, right? Rather than tear each other down. And, and almost, you know, if you see a guy going through a rut or you see a guy make a a critical mistake, which I have done, even with the Wanderers, you know, hopefully someone will take me by the, by the arm and say, you know what? It happens again. We're humans. These things are going to happen. One comes to mind right away against York nine. My first game as a center back, I played a ball in the 85th minute right to the striker thankfully he missed and it was kind of a breakaway or an open net with uh with Jad, and and it, it ended up going for naught. and you know those at that point i had adopted that mentality and it, you know some of the guys looked at me in the locker room and said are you crazy have you lost your mind like because i was laughing and joking around after the game and it's not for lack of care it's for you know the execution was off but the effort was right and as long as the effort is right we should all hold each other to the baseline amount of respect because we're all athletes, and naturally, as athletes, we put ourselves in your hands as the as the viewers, and we are subject to criticism every single time we step on the field, and that mm-hmm. itself can be damaging. So, I mean, naturally, you know, if we can apply these principles and these techniques, we can actually uplift each other, and that's just not myself. I, I hope to do that for whomever needs me at York Nine, and I hope to be a leader in that way. Um, but hopefully, you know, again, as this spreads and as the, the sort of, I guess, call it the take-home message from Mindframe gets exposed to each of these athletes, the take-home message hopefully will allow them to not only be better athletes, but also better leaders. And, and naturally, that will uplift their team and, and, and sort of raise the ultimate, you know, the standard as a whole of of, Canada, uh, of Canadian soccer, rather.
2: This is great. Do you know who's uh, Washington Tavares? He's a manager okay. of the manager of the Uruguayan national team. Yes. Um Great. he has the mindset of 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 like the same of you, like you know, like he cares more about the human side and, and the mental part. I recommend you to watch some of his YouTube has subtitles now. Watch it like because he talks a lot in his interviews more about that part than the actual like football part. Right. It, it's very inspiring, like the, the way he thinks and he's so respected back there. And, and also the American coaches, they call him the the maestro, they call him, because it's he's it's like the Gandhi of football. Yeah. I recommend you to watch it. Like if you want to feel inspired someday,
3: go for it, Chris. This day and age, brother, social media is both a gift and a curse. It kind of links the players in some of the best and worst ways. When you were starting MindFrame, how much of that became kind of a part of your strategy going forward? And have you taught the players over the last, I guess, since the program started, um, to get some of their experiences with social media and? I guess a third part of that question is how do you talk to kids about that?
1: Yeah, I think, I think the ultimate thing is that, um, what we do is, you know, in, in discussing with players, we, we have shared, you know, amongst players, our experiences in social media and sort of the media in general, rather than just, you know, Instagram and Twitter, just even things like one soccer, you know, one soccer posted, you know, the top 50 and uh, you know what, they didn't really have many good things to say about me. Right. When I got in there and, and you know they they reposted during quarantine and and people kind of always screenshotted the tweet and said oh you know because it said i don't know is 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 35 too generous a number and you know the you know guys on my team and, and even guys back in you know they screenshot that and they say dude like no love like no love and and you know i i said the only love i need is the only love i need is is my love right and and the again this goes back to the whole the critics are are easy to point fingers and it's easy to it's easy to say that, but when you're, you're subject to criticism every time you step on the pitch and you still do it anyways, that's real courage. And, and that's the only sort of validation that we need as athletes. So again, that applies to, to younger kids as well, right? The, the parents and the coaches and, and their opinions. You know, I don't know if you guys have recently seen the, the interview of uh, Akin Fenwa he, when they reached uh, the championship. You know, he one my, says One of my that, favorite interviews of all time, man. Yeah, one of my favorite interviews. Best. You yeah. said it best. that Football is opinions, right? And and to let the opinions of others define you is, 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 just, is just ludicrous because you'll, you'll never please, right? And at the end of the day, that's kind of what we preach and that's kind of the identity and that, that identity statement that we like to build is, is centered around that. And, and, you know, I'll give you an example. I share, I share that and I, I'm sure you guys know I preach, you know, my, my, I profess my love rather for LeBron James all the time and it, it has nothing to do with what he does on the court. It has nothing to do with it. Um, you know, I actually personally adopted that mentality, you know, of the man in the arena from him. And it's a quote from Theodore Roosevelt, if you guys are not familiar, but, you know, it says that the critic and, you know, the strong man, you know, they always point out where the strong man uh, could have done better and, and, you know, but the credit actually goes to the person who is actually in the arena, the person who's actually doing the deed, and, you know, and it also says things like they will come short. And, uh, and they'll come short again and again, but ultimately they'll know where they stand. And I think that is an ultimate, um, sort of, for me, they're words to live by for me there. It's an ultimate quote for me that I, I think about all the time. I, I got it right here. You know, I know, you know, I got it written right here on my bedside. Like I wrote it down so that I look at it every time I go to bed and, you know, again, not why where wear number 23 has nothing to do with what LeBron has accomplished on the court, but rather that, you know, he preaches that he's more than an athlete and he preaches that, you know, these are the things, right? And that guy's got critics, you know, that guy's got haters. And and the reality is, you know, a guy like that hears it a lot worse than I get it. So, you know, the ability to use that quote in order to block that out is, is so powerful for him that I personally, res- it resonated with me and it identified, you know, with me, so um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what we preach at MindFrame, And, and again, this goes back to the social media question that you had. Sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent, but it's, uh, it applies directly because, you know, again, social media is a bunch of critics, right. And at the end of the day, you, you, I like to say personally, as an athlete, I have short-term memory for the things that I do wrong. And and I have long-term memory for the love that I get. And, you know, guys like you is why I have so much time for social media and there are so many good people. And, there are so many people that uplift you. And naturally, there always will be someone that tells you you came up short or, or whatnot, and that happens. And that's part of the game. You take the good with the bad. But ultimately, you know, again, you're, you're chasing that happiness, right? You're chasing that happiness. And what that happiness is to you, if you have it, you know, distinctly defined in your mind, um, you know, ultimately should bring you happiness. And that end goal is what ultimately propels you through, right? So I always say to the kids, and, and you know, we're doing a pilot right now, um, the first thing I said to them is that if you're asked, if you're aspiring to be a professional, but you're not enjoying the journey, then you might as well get out now because every single day is part of the journey. And once you reach the CPL, you're going to want to go to Europe. And once you get to Europe, you're going to want to play for the national team. And, and there's always going to be a new finish line for you. And if you're constantly have your head down and you never take a peek up, then you're never going to enjoy it. And, and the career is going to bypass you. So whether you're the president of the United States, you're the prime minister of Canada, you fly in a, a spaceship or You play professional sports. If you don't love it, then you're doing it wrong. Favorite things that you were talking about
3: when you were like the the development of mind frame, you mentioned that ECEs are extremely important. I come from a childcare background myself. It was my first job and I did it for like five years. And um, my, my mom was the reason I did it. And my brother followed in both of our footsteps. And he's currently in ECE. And when you were describing the program at the very beginning, over and over in my head, my brother popped into my head because I was just like, this was would be absolutely perfect for him. Obviously, once the season's done and you're rested and relaxed, how are you going to kind of strategically get to ECEs, get into the schools? How are you going to try to figure a way to bridge that gap? And have you already talked to to early childhood educators? Because um, we're talking about a time not to get all political and stuff where, you know, they were talking about defunding the police. And one of the things I always said is if you're going to do that, some of that money should go to early childhood educators. Because some of the best first responders in the world are people who deal with children, so um, I have to give you credit a and b what's the strategy to make that connection work?
1: Yeah, I mean listen, um, my fiance and I we started mindframe, you know she's kind of on a design perspective and, and brand management perspective she's kind of working you know two jobs now as she works her own and, and then kind of works on mindframe as well and and we talked about that we talked about the future and and the reality is mindframe is right now we have a curriculum for athletes right and But naturally, to answer your first question, yes, I have spoken to an early childhood educator on the delivery of the program in a way that, you know, naturally when we talk about these things, we dive into much, much deeper than the superficial and much, much deeper than a child can comprehend. So how do we simplify such concepts that we can instill them or ingrain them into their their mind in order to set them up and, and sort of get the... You know, give them those those proper training wheels to to sort of take off. So um, we did in the design and the, and the sort of development of MindFrame. We did introduce an early childhood educator who's actually a friend of mine. I went to high school with that. Uh, we we worked with not only her but also a, another friend of ours that that ended up in the same field. Um, so yes, yeah, so we de- we definitely again we I personally find the value in early childhood educators because they have for me a very difficult job of executing large or very important concepts to again a blank canvas like i like to call you know the youth um but in a simplistic way because my my biggest problem is that i i'm very complicated i i speak with large you know uh, very wide vocabulary and and can you can you be concise and can you convey the same message in words that you know for example the general public or even just a child will understand right and sometimes those are the most powerful messages that you can send. So um naturally where we'd see mindframe going is yes, um this is something for everyone. This is a mind this is not just something to improve performance but this is to improve quality of life like I said before. So this is something for everyone and this is something that will go in that direction once we sort of prove our concept with uh with the first stage of mindframe and and naturally we'll tweak it to to hopefully you know, the the school systems and, and sort of reach a Canada wide point where, again, we can sort of preach this, this, this lifestyle to, to everyone where, you know, naturally, we're just clearing the mind of, of the, the self defeating thoughts, we're clearing the mind of the past and the present of the past and the future. And we're, we're in the present. And I think that's just a healthier way to live. And, and sort of to, you know, people are big on, you got to put your head down, and you got to work. I hear that a lot with even kids and in school and stuff. And, I'm the opposite. Uh, like, let's smell the roses here. Like, you know, every time we stepped on wanderer's grounds, I was like, man, all these people came here to see me. Like, this is great. I better, you know, like I had a smile I better enjoy this because all those 7,000 people would probably rather be in my spot right now. So, you know, that's the sort of gratitude and perspective that we want to teach. So is this for sport right now? Yeah. But is it absolutely have applicability to life in general? I, I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't develop who I was as a person. So, um, you know, uh, you know, naturally, they, for me, their early childhood educators are, again, they're the ones with the first paintbrush and, and the parents as well. And and naturally, they have, for me, the toughest job. So I, I'm in full support. And any way that, again, we can sort of work with them to to develop this sort of, I guess, let's say, uh, let's call it a, a bigger picture for the kids, if, if you know, within the, the sort of specificities of the subject objects that we're teaching, we can always sort of uplift the child or uplift the athlete to succeed rather than to show them you better do your homework or else you're going to get in trouble and reprimand it. If we can rather do so to think of, you know, I challenge you to do this. I want to see, and you know, the athlete perceives it or the child perceives it in a way that, well, I want to see how far I can take this. I want to see just where, just how smart I am and just where, how much smarter I can get. So rather than exploring with a Um, a sort of, I'm at the top of the mountain, it's time to fall. Can we approach sport, life, school with a curiosity and a beginner's mind, right? Can we, can we, and this is the challenge for us adults as well. Can we always approach every single day with a beginner's mind to see what we can accomplish? And naturally we all, I'm sure we've all, you know, sort of looked back at where we've been and said, man, like, I never thought I could do this. I never thought I could make it this far. I never thought I could come this far. Look where I'm doing now. You know, I've accomplished X, Y, and Z. And we always surprise ourselves. And that's just a human thing. I don't think that makes one person more special than the other. I think that's something we all have an alien inside of us. We need to, but we need to unlock that part of the mind. We need to unlock that sort of perspective. And only by doing that, can we, can we eliminate the fear of failure and translate that into a curiosity to be the best that we can be. Right.
3: Wow. that's fantastic brother I, like before I pass it back to Anthony I have to give you credit man because um, this is something you hear that you know people my age or older trying to you know figure out things you know they've finished the first stage of their career and they want to do something with the rest of their life something that they're passionate about the fact that you're it seems like you're almost diving into this as much as you're diving into your football career and, and your commitment to the youth I appreciate it so much personally man so um, good for you because I think it's really important as the athlete to set the example on the field. Like I was saying, normally it's guys that are retired or have moved on and, you know, it doesn't really make that same kind of connection with the kids. So I got to give you a lot of credit, my man.
1: Thank you. really appreciate that. No, it's again, it's a, it's become a second passion uh, through the sort of research and development of the program. I realized that I actually love this and I, and you know, it's something simple as, you know, I studied kinesiology and something simple as the, the physiological effects of, what a thought or a feeling will do to you is something that we've explored and sort of tested. And, and also just things like, you know, again, the reverse effect, right. And, and body language and what that does to the psyche and it's things we're not aware of. Right. And these are things that we bring to light and we bring to the attention of these athletes. And it's just a general awareness for people to, you know, again, you can do something as simple as smiling and that triggers hormones in your body and releases that even if you're faking the smile and, I, I think I you know, posted about it a couple of weeks ago, but again, it's something as simple as that, that we can do, um, but we need to educate that first, right? And and by doing so, um, yeah, naturally, hopefully this, this is something that people take to and, and will make you feel good, right? And it'll also help you accomplish, ultimately that's what we want to do, right? And it's not about whether you get there or you don't get there, but it, it sort of goes hand in hand, even with my performance, right? If I don't live by what I'm preaching right now, my performance will suffer naturally. And, and it happens to all of us. And just like, I'm sure you guys have seen the logo, it's an ebb and flow. And the ebb and flow is the journey of not just an athlete, but a person. And, and we all go through these moments. But again, if we can sh- shrink the ebb and flow by you know, way of perspective and, and sort of pull ourselves out of that rut a little quicker, or rather than, again, it being a bad performance, it, you know, it turns into a nightmare. Can we just stop it at a bad performance? Can we salvage that performance and make it decent? Conversely, if we're having a good day and something bad happens, can we keep that going rather than spiral out of control? And these, these applicabilities started with athleticism and sport, but they apply to life in general. Right. And, and naturally, I think where I developed that sort of um, I think need for this was naturally through uh, what I went through in my personal life with my brother passing and, and, you know, it just sort of spiraled all out of control. And, you know, if I can tell a quick story, you know, in 2010 things, the dominoes all fell at the same time. And, you know, I had a, I had a girlfriend and I was young and I was 16 and I was on living life and playing for Toronto FC Academy at the time was, uh, you know, a select few of essentially 50 players in the, in the whole Academy. And uh, you're a select few there. And, you know, my brother passed away shortly after released by Toronto FC Uh, girlfriend breaks up with you and, and you're, everything's falling out of control. You're spiraling and, it took me away from the sport I love because that's the way I perceived the stress. It was something that told me that I can never do this again. I, I don't want anything to do with this sport. And, and naturally what happened was we're resilient as humans. And, and naturally, what happened is that resilience kicked in. And I realized that through that clouded emotion, there's, you know, and I'm a big meditation person and I practice headspace a lot and they say, remember the blue sky. And so even if there's clouds, remember that there's always a blue sky underneath. So the blue sky came to me and, you know, again, I got back on the path. I got back on the path to being a professional and that love came back in a, in the same way. And it only grew and it only grew. And that sort of thing, again, the ebbs and flows, right. I came back out of it, started at York university. That became a downturn where, you know, playing wasn't all, you know, minutes weren't a premium for me. I was, you know, very scarcely used and and sort of worked my way into that. And now then it became an upturn and naturally the limbo between being a professional and a semi-professional and going Italy to chase that dream. And those were, you know, again, the ups and downs of that. Right. And, and I think naturally, you, you know, you understand that and you have that awareness that the blue sky will always come and And that's kind of, like you said about the early childhood educators is can we convey to them that things will naturally always be okay if we put forth the right effort and that's not just a physical effort, but that's also a mental effort to be, the best people we can be the best scholars we can be and the best you know athletes that
0: we can be thanks for sharing the story with us um so just to, to finish off um I, I just thought um obviously around this time normally you're speaking of your brother um you're normally having your non-gala gala for uh, for the charity and stuff that. obviously in this covid world um, we're not able to to do that so so what what have you guys been doing to uh, to fundraise this year
1: so this year we, we actually started a virtual fundraising campaign last week. And, um, basically again, like you said, it's, it's something that gathers three, four or 500 people at times. And obviously given, you know, what we're going through with this pandemic, it's, it's, we knew from a long time ago that this would likely not be able to work. And then we needed to find a way to, again, give back. I think the whole, the whole philosophy behind Jason's wish was we need to make the best of an unfortunate circumstance. And it's a way also for my family to heal and and also to prevent, you know, a family from going through this. Right. And just because there's a pandemic, it doesn't mean that people don't need care. And, and, and that's what we want to do. Right. And, and naturally we took a long time to brainstorm and in a way that we can uh, in a way that we can sort of execute and, and sort of give the same feel to our regulars, to our newcomers and, and sort of keep our community together, and naturally, we we started a virtual fundraising campaign where Sunnybrook uh, provided a link for us, allowed us to customize the page a little bit, and it's basically just a click to donate, um, you know, sort of link. and And our goal for the tenth year of Jason's passing is to it's to do 10k. So um, it's a modest goal uh, for us because you know, naturally, in, in years past, we've we've done upwards of sixteen thousand. So. Um, again, given we wanted to be conscientious also of you know people's financial situations during a pandemic and and sort of you know so we lowered our expectations a little bit and and naturally you know the people that want to support are, are always willing to and everything is appreciated. I think more so it's an awareness thing and keeping awareness to to the to the event and then giving whatever we can to Sunnybrook uh, Hospital here in Toronto to to sort of benefit uh, anyone going through any you know in, in the critical care unit. So. Um, again, we're, we're doing a click to donate. It's in my bio, uh, Jay's wish you can, uh, you can follow and, and click the link there to donate. We're on Twitter as well. I'm retweeting everything. Um, and we're just kind of keeping our listeners and our, our sort of followers engaged. Um, hopefully by, you know, showing them because it's the 10 year we've sort of started the, this memory lane sort of campaign where we're going to take you guys year after year, uh, through the development of the, of the fundraiser and what it's become. Um, maybe some link, some, some videos and photos and, and that sort of thing and track the progress along the way. So again, it's just, it's just a way for us to give back because those things kind of don't take breaks even during a pandemic, right? So people are still fighting for their lives, for other causes, not just COVID-19 and, and also we felt a strong compulsion to do something even more so because there's a, there's a dual purpose here with the frontline workers and, and their commitment to not only working with, you know, a critical care patient can also be working, can also be there because of COVID-19. So um, we wanted to sort of a double effect this year and uh, give to Sunnybrook even more so and, and keep Jason's memory alive. And hopefully we'll be back to uh, normal operations next year.
0: So I, I recommend anybody who can uh, donate cause it's a, it's a wonderful charity and uh, I've been following yes. along um, some of the, the stuff you've been posting and it's, it's great. Like stuff you guys have done and uh, it, it's um, ten years like of giving to a wonderful charity. So, uh, congrats, man, and like hopefully you hit that goal. <laughs> and that's what we all want to see. So,
1: yeah, we're doing we we might be doing a little giveaway here. I got something prepared for uh, York Nine's been super supportive of it as well. So we might be doing a little giveaway for everyone who donated. So I saw you guys. I saw you guys got your entry in there before as an early bird. So we uh, <laughs> we have a little giveaway here. I don't know if you'll wear it, but you might hang it up.
0: I'll try <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah the last time you were on we, we didn't actually get a chance to, to do this so uh, Carlos asked you this question your three favourite defenders and uh, two were Italian and then you picked Van Dyke, of course because he's the main man but uh, normally we, we, we started asking people um, if they're going to play in a five-side tournament uh, from the players you've played with, who would be on your team so uh, who would Ooh. you pick
1: okay let's go through this so Naturally, if you know me, I like technical ability. So I got I to gotta start with my boy Guti for sure. I think uh, that's, that's number one for sure, for sure.
0: Uh got to have that Peruvian in there, right? Yeah, for <laughs> sure, man.
2: No, I'll, I, uh, we got to put I'll the take, flair in uh, always.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Carlos doesn't think I wouldn't have picked him. No, I'm kidding. I'm
1: just kidding. But, uh, no, um, Peter and I made a, made a good combo. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take Peter at the back with myself. Uh, or am I not in the team. I don't get the team, right? On the go no, you, you, it's you your pin. team, man.
0: You can do if you if you want I'm to. I'm not gonna
1: pick myself. That's
0: crazy. Every, right? every, you, you, everybody you else like he, make
1: a, he sounds like he'd make a heck of a coach though, so I
3: like yeah, his mentality yeah, yeah. there.
0: But well, uh, everybody else everybody else has picked themselves, so you know. <laughs> I think I think Manny actually picked himself first. I was you know. gonna say Yeah, I wasn't there yet.
1: Oh me. <laughs> I like that actually. So in terms of forwards, ah, let's go. Um, you know what? I I. I like, you know, I, I naturally, I don't, I played with or against or what, what's the rules here? What are those? So Whoever you played with. Oh, with. Yeah. Okay. So I have Guti um, as a target. I, I think I got to go with my voice, Kublak. Mm-hmm. I, nice. uh, I think we got to go with Kublak here. He was a fan favorite last year, and uh, he didn't score as many goals as uh, as I think he could have. But
0: uh, that one goal, I, that, that goal I, against I Ottawa was a more good left match. in the tank.
1: Yeah, the Ottawa one we don't we'll never forget. So. Yeah, myself <laughs> like included. I think I, I think I pulled a hammy running over to him. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice. Uh,
1: yeah, so nice. I'll go with Scooby. I'll go with uh, myself. I'll throw Peter in the mix as a, as a defender. I can't take myself. I'm going to be the coach there. I played with at Vaughn. I actually played with a guy who signed the Forge, and they actually sold him to, uh, I think it was a Guatemalan team, uh, David Monsalve. Mm. He was uh nice was with his feet. Yeah, he was, I mean, one of the better goalies I've seen with his feet, for sure. So I'll take David. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, to be honest, I played with a guy at York University, and he was, you know, he's a midfielder, and his name is Matthew Stinson. He was uh, essentially, when I, when I made my shift to defensive midfielder, um, I was trying to just do my best Matt Stinson impression. So he actually <laughs> had a spin with Toronto FC and he played right back, but was a heck of a heck of an engine in the midfield. So I'll take Matt Stinson and uh, I think I'm one more. So I'll throw, um, I'm going to toss in here. I'll take team You know what? I'll take Akim Garcia. We need some speed here. We have a lot of technical ability. Mm. I got to take my boy Akeem Garcia. He's uh, he's going to be the one that finishes off the actions.
0: Nice. Really? I, I, like, I like that you picked the... Uh, Pretty much a wanderers team, but uh, I'd, imag- I'd imagine Christian or Jan are gonna be pretty pissed at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll a little mad at me, but uh, you know, what?
1: It's all good. As long as I got Guti in there, because you know, <laughs> yeah, he's your boy, right? This my boy, man. Yeah, he, uh, he's doing well. He's uh, we talk pretty often, and uh, yeah, I think he's just. Uh, I think we clicked so well. We were just similar, very similar in terms of personalities. He- you know, he, he doesn't, you know, obviously he can't speak the language as well as I can, but getting him talking and, and, and that sort of thing, we see the game very well, very similarly. And we see also life very similarly. So it's, for me, it's, it's amazing that football, you know, takes you around the world. Yes. But it also brings the world to you in in a way that, you know, Gucci came and in a short time because I didn't even, you know, do preseason with the Wanderers. I came and, you you know, we played the first match two days later and off we go. But, you know, in six months, let's call it, you know, I feel that I, I've made a lifelong friend. So, you know, it's, it's an, it's a very special thing. And, and same with, same with Ox, you know, like we, we still talk to this day and Alex as well. And, you know, again, Peter as well, like these are things that, you know, you got a guy from Germany, a guy from Peru, you know, I came from Italy to come back home. I, I left the Canadian soccer scene and then made my way back and it all comes full circle. And it's just a wonderful experience, I think, as a, in general. And I think, you know, I'm just enjoying it that much more when you find those good people, right?
0: And it's good to, uh, as you said, like kind of sit back and think of it that, that way too, right? Like, you know, that you've made some great friends and like everything that's mm-hmm. happened in your career has happened probably for a reason, right? I mean, like that's whatever, all these things just make you stronger and it makes you the person you are. And I you said, like if it wasn't for football, you wouldn't have made these amazing friends. So it's kind of good that you can sit back and reflect a little bit and, um, yeah, I'm getting a bit mind-framing myself now. What the hell happened? happening with both of you, bud?
1: Right. I say, at the end, I say, you know, if it ends tomorrow, it's it's been – I'm in the bonus right now, as, as I like to say. I'm playing with house money because, you know, the friends that I've taken, you know, the experiences that I've had, they've, they've all shaped me into the person I am today. And, and naturally, if it ends tomorrow, it, it's been fun. And that's kind of the approach I take to it. And, you know, every day I get to lace up and, and go into you know, training and – do something that, I don't know, they run us to the ground, whatever. I, at the end of it, I hope I, hope I try to find that, that sort of perspective to be able to smile and say, yeah, but this is what you do. So, you know, it's not so bad. And, and enjoy it because, again, it's a career that your body tells you when to stop probably before your mind will or, or before your heart wants to, <laughs> right? So enjoy every moment of it. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's basically the way I live my life. And I'm sure you see that in, in, you know, in the, on the field as well, I, I hope, anyways. That's what I try to convey.
0: I can tell you that uh, as I'm sitting on the bus on my way to my office job, I, I hate all of you. <laughs> the fact that you get to go and play football, and I get to go and sit in the fucking office. So always, you can always take that positivity with you, man. <laughs> Wait, someone hates love, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Like, uh, I'm just looking at the table now, and I see that Lazio was four plays. How does it feel not beating Atalanta for that third place?
1: Listen, I think, uh, again, I you You're think- a Lazio fan, right? This thing put uh, this thing put a big roadblock in our in our season, yeah, I know it's it's amazing because we were we were flying before you know the sort of pandemic hit and and it just we lost all steam and not only that it's it, you know I, I was like, you know what maybe we lost a game or two, and I said, but you know we still play a good brand of football that i I personally enjoyed and that kind of went out the window as well, I found during the matches and it, you know it, it had a really big effect on on lazio and and for example, you see teams like Atalanta prepared in a way that they didn't lose a stride. If anything, they picked up steam from this break. And, mm-hmm. you know, they always, you know, played entertaining football, but they really, they were, I was almost scared, you know, and, and talking to, you know, friends who are, you know, Juventini and like their support Juventus and Milan. And every time mm-hmm. Atalanta came, everyone was, you know, sort of shit in their pants. And it's like, you know, it's, it's amazing also to sort of take that and sort of think about the parody that, that even this tournament provides, right. You're, you know, we talk about a game that's worth essentially four games, right? We play 28, mm-hmm. now we're only playing seven. So every game's worth four, and you could be gone in two or three losses. And, you know, and, and if you start off slow, you may never catch up and, and those sorts of things. So the parody of that plus a pandemic is this is essentially, a, for me, it's a wild card tournament. I, I don't inter- know
2: what to it, It's interesting because last season you guys were showing hints. You guys were seven or six. I don't know, remember in the table, but you guys were showing hints. And watch out for Hellas Verona next season because they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're doing interesting things. So
1: Including a rebrand, which yeah. I heard a oh, year really? Possibility, so.
2: Yeah.
0: I, any team that has a Felipe Sacido on there, I think that's how you pronounce his name, that doesn't deserve to win anything, to be honest.
3: I
2: Anthony,
3: <laughs> Anthony, I think you missed that reference. Did I? Like yeah. That.
2: They're doing a rebranding.
3: <laughs> Did that fly under
0: the radar? Uh, not for me.
2: Not for no, me no. either. I,
0: I... Anthony missed a good Yorkie joke. I can't believe no, that. Sorry, I'm sorry, I was uh miles away. <laughs> I I do you know what I'm sick of all this. I, I I honestly think they're gonna bring Yorkie back. There's gonna be a return of Yorkie. <laughs> no, I, I, please, I please, guys I, I honestly think it's gonna it's gonna happen. this it's a whole big Ploy to get people to to miss them, and if they, you know, they haven't.
1: I think I might put them in the next contract if I resign here. That you know, <laughs> if, <laughs> if, 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 if you're here Yorkie cannot be here, guys. <laughs>
2: Let, let's have a minute of silence.
0: Oh yeah, I <laughs> forgot. alright
2: <laughs> <laughs> can't,
0: even, can't, I can't even I can't like, I can't fucking deal it. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that
1: guy no, I, I, I said something about the rebounds because I saw an article today Angus was talking about a potential rebrand, so I didn't want to oh, I, I read it I read yeah. it an hour ago so I was like alright we don't have to cut that
0: out I think that's allowed <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's allowed I would uh, I would I would be like if I bought the jersey now and then they rebranded I'd be pissed you know what I mean <laughs> if I bought that fucking awful away jersey
1: to win it in a Jason's Wish contest because yeah. you donated to Jason's
0: Wish I don't to that one uh, yeah so that one's coming <laughs> to <person>. anthony is <laughs> it's not like the booby prize or something no you better stop that noise <laughs> that's the a, a consolation
2: prize we're yeah. talking <laughs> are, your, are your or something like that you know
0: man <laughs> so um so before we let you go man thanks so much for hanging out with us. it's been awesome like listening to where everything has come from it's it's been great um so uh so yeah. So, um, what's this competition you're you're talking about? How can well, Carlos sure, win one of those jerseys? I'll
1: tell you guys about it because you guys get the inside scoop. why not? It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing uh, we're doing a giveaway. So for Jason's wish, anyone who's donated will be entered to ro- uh, to win. In order to encourage, obviously, um, mm-hmm. donations, uh, there's five prizes. One of them being uh, signed Arnone jersey for anyone who needs toilet paper. And, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, and then we. Yep. Have- and then we have some carbs as well to give away. So oh uh, York 9 has been so super supportive of it. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I mean, any way we can sort of drive, uh, drive, you know, sort of donations for a good cause is, you know, they're all about it. I'm all about it. And uh, we've aligned in, in such a way. So
0: it's great. Yeah, so we'll share we'll, we'll that around once you kind of yep. announce the details. Um, you should have it that it's like it's – signed by the player of your choice because you know <laughs> I wouldn't want an Arnone jersey you know what I mean it's like I... <laughs> oh, I'm joking probably
1: not best for a pandemic but you a
0: dream one <laughs> oh man, that'd be so. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, a a Marlins jersey. That's game one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I don't think anybody wants to win that one. <laughs> oh man, that's a terrible. Uh, time to joke. Terrible. No, joke. No, I know. I oh, know. We got another one for you, know, another one for Yorkie. All right, man.
3: No, uh, but all, all the, like, like Anthony said, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely be supporting you, brother. No doubt. Yeah,
2: we'll we'll share the links and everything too. So
1: I know it's uh an audio podcast but i'll show you guys something that'll get you fired up here oh
2: okay oh
1: set, got that set up in my
0: room that's
2: oh nah. man, oh, man.
0: that's that in the locker room as well so that, that is uh,
2: known. that's sweet that is
0: sick that's sick, that's for sick, me to look sick. at every
1: morning and you know again put myself in the right mind frame right so that's kind of me practicing when i preach so that's something that again that's for me that that gives me chills every morning i wake up and yeah, that's kind of you know that's that's what. So, it
0: is. so I'm going to screenshot that part of the video, and then I'm going to use that as the kind of the the little tag for the for the podcast and say he wishes he was still here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going
3: to tag Angus in the post. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Angus,
0: is up for some banter. I guess, gonna, Angus, like, is and kind of- of- see my stuff. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God! By the way, the, who, run, be, like, who runs the, super- oh, Sorry, sorry. Who, who runs the, uh, the the Twitter account? For York, uh, Rob. He's uh, he, he's fantastic. The thing he did the other day when he mocked up Good. all the jerseys, was fucking amazing, man. It's God like, level. That was fucking like, awesome. Yeah, the, what think a think man. He did that to sort of even the playing field. But the one, someone put up one with the
1: the one that Chris showed us with yeah. the tops. You can't beat that. That's great.
3: <laughs> <awesome>. Yes, He <laughs> said. I was joking with these guys. I said, "You know what? I like the concept, and here's why. I would buy a Halifax Peninsula shirt that's done up just like that
0: jersey. I would. I don't oh, know I, why. I, I definitely would not. I'd buy the I'd buy I the tugboat one though. That was pretty fucking. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, well, they probably would have sold more. They'd fucking Yorkie on the front of it, man. To be honest, yeah, oh, probably sell,
2: sell, sell like coffee, man. Honestly. Uh,
0: man. <laughs> thank you so much for hanging out again, man. Thanks, yes, um, brother. Appreciate you, good, man. Good luck. At, good luck in the tournament. Um, not that much good luck, I suppose. But you know, enough to get you to the final. That's about it. Uh, and
2: if you if you hear any noise in the hotels, like riots, it's probably gonna be us sneaking in PI. So just don't don't take it personally, you know.
1: <laughs> I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll string you guys down a coffee if I can.
0: <laughs> Thanks, man. And uh, here's hoping that you have a balcony in your hotel. All right, man. Take care. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I Thanks, Matthew. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers.